You know our difficulties. Father, you know everything about us so intimately, Lord, because you're right there with us each step of the way and every day. And Father, you care for us on a daily basis, and not just daily, Lord, but every moment of every day. And Lord, I just sometimes overwhelm my mind thinking about how much you care for us and, and the ways that you shape us and the ways that you guide us, Lord. And Father, we just are so thankful in our hearts that we have a relationship with you and that we can grow closer to you daily, Lord. And Father, that even in times when we don't understand why you're allowing things to happen the way they're happening, you are right there with us. And even though you may not share it, you are right there with us and you're there to encourage us and to give us hope and strength. And many times, Lord, you do that through the body of Christ. And we're thankful for that. And Father, as we move forward with the uh, sermon today, Lord, we just ask that your words be spoken today, that you teach each one of us the things that you'd have us to know today. And Lord, that you would continually equip our hearts. And Lord, that we take what we have today and that we multiply it by getting into your word on a daily basis and, and growing closer to you each day. And we ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. We live in a culture who believes that if they dream it, think it, or pursue it, that they can achieve it. Our culture believes that whatever we want to accomplish, it is because of our intelligence, perseverance, or focus. Many times we do not see the full picture of why we have the wherewithal to accomplish whatever it is that we want to pursue. It is difficult to understand sometimes how someone can look out and see the things that they've accomplished in their own lives at any given point in their life and, and how we cannot acknowledge that there's somebody or someone greater than us helping us to achieve what we want to achieve and, and to meet the goals that we want to meet in our own lives. And really, we tend to be self-centered and selfish in our way of thinking and in, in our accomplishments and our pursuits and don't even take a moment to stop and say, thank you, God. Thank you for what you've worked out in me. Thank you for helping me achieve these things that I want to achieve in my life. It's very self-centered and selfish when we think in that way. But you know, there are also those who see everything with a sense of defeat. The world is against them no matter what they do. They can never seem to overcome difficult obstacles and they feel that they are utter failures at everything that they begin. Therefore, they reach a point of giving up and saying things like, well, what's the use? It doesn't work anyhow. No matter what I try, I'm gonna fail. I'm just worthless, nobody cares about me, why bother? And you know, that person often isn't looking to God and saying, God, these are my hopes, these are my dreams, these are the things that I would love to accomplish, and I'd love to have your help with them, Lord. 
You see, we serve a God who loves each one of us intimately. He knows our hearts. He knows our wants. He has allowed us to have those wants and desires. But this person here also is being self-centered in their way of thinking. They're not looking towards God for strength, for encouragement, for hope. They're not turning to the body of Christ either to encourage them and, and to be someone, you know, someone out there to lift them up. But God loves that person intimately also. And He wants each one of us to pursue Him. And God does His part. He's constantly there with His arms wide open saying, My child, come to me. I'm right here for you. His arms are always open wide. His door is always open for us. But there's two parts to this equation. God's doing His part, but are we doing our part? See, there's a synergy between what God wants to accomplish with us and what we actually accomplish and what we can do. Because God is not going to be one who does it for us. We have to take a step out into faith. We have to step out and trust. We have to step out and say, okay, Lord, I'm moving in this direction. And this is the way I feel that I'm being led by you but through my prayer and through the things that I've learned so far. But if I am wrong, Lord, change my direction. And then take that step in faith and trust that God will lead you. So it's a two-person process. It's not just God. It's God and you. God and me. And God works through each one of us. But he is, again, like I said, not going to do it for us. And there's also a third type of person. And, and this is the type of person I really think that each one of us should strive to be. There are those who also look to God for everything. They are utterly and fully dependent on him for their next meal. And are confident that he will make a way for them to have their needs fulfilled. Their hearts are keenly placed in the hands of God. They know any provision that they receive is from his wondrous, gracious, and merciful hand. God is looking out to us and he wants to do wonderful works in our lives. He wants to accomplish great things with us. But he wants a willing heart. One that will lean on him, trust him, and depend on him. And he is going to put us in uncomfortable situations. He is going to take us out of our realm of comfort. Because as long as we're in our realm of comfort, we tend to lean on our strength. But see, when we lean on God's strength and we're on outside of our comfort zone, we know when we accomplish something, it wasn't because of what we did. It was because of how God moved in and through us. But this kind of living requires daily communication with God. It requires daily intimacy with Him. 
He is our provider. He does care for us daily, even when we don't see it. And I'd like to talk a little bit today about God's care for us. And there are three points that I hope to get through. The first one is going to be our personal, daily, physical needs. The second need, uh, set of needs that he's going to take care for us on a routine basis in our lives is the restorative needs that we have. And the third, and should be most obvious to every one of us in here, is our spiritual need. God cares for us intimately, and he daily nurtures us and bestows upon us his divine love. I'll tell you a story to kind of cement this a little bit. I'm going to use, talk about me and my wife when we first met. And I did tell her today that I was going to talk about her. So. <laughs> but when Jen and I first met, I remember the day I saw her. I'll never forget that day. It is cemented in my mind. She was the most beautiful woman that I've ever seen. And I was like, I got to know that girl. And the odds of me really ever getting to see her again were slim. But it was amazing how God worked it out because I met her. And then it wasn't for three months later that I saw her again. But she was constantly on my mind. And I liked her when I finally did meet her and I wanted to get to know her and I even asked her to go out to have lunch with me and she was like, well, I have a boyfriend. And I was like, well, let's just go out and have lunch and be friends. And that's what started it all. And in those early days of our relationship, we had many, uh, since then, we've had many ups and downs. But in these early days, I courted her. And I did everything that I thought she would like and tried to meet her needs in every single way. I had my best foot forward. And she may say, well, that wasn't a very good foot, let me tell you. <laughs> but I did have my best foot forward. And I wanted to impress her. And it was several years before we even started dating. We were friends for years. And it was great getting to know her and develop that friendship. And I loved her even when we were friends. And our, my love for her grew. And, and I know that there are different types of love. And I also know that Jen loved me and, uh, and, and cared for me. And we talked all the time. We, I don't think we ever were at a moment where we didn't have something to talk about. And still today... We talk for hours sometimes. It's, amaz it's amazing. But what was I doing right then? I had my best foot forward, didn't I? In every way, I was trying to please her. And I was trying to help her. But then, as we got to know each other and we got into a relationship and we got married, you think that I got lax a little bit? How many of us don't get lax in our relationships? Because we do. We get lazy. And I wasn't looking at trying to please her at every turn anymore. And I do still try to please her. I don't want her mad. I don't want her angry. But the, the truth of it is, I'm a sinner. I fall short of God's glory. And I fall short for my wife. But you know what? She has seen 
my ugly side. There have been ups and downs in our relationship. And I know that she has been exposed to that ugly, that ugly side more than at times than I care to remember and admit. But she also knows that there's good in me. And the good that she finds in me is not because of anything about me. It's about what God does through me. And it's about the love that God pours out through me. And those times is when she's seeing my love. She knows the good and bad about me. What an expression of God's love when two imperfect people continue in relationship when there are times that they really want to run away. I firmly believe that God is the one who works through us in our marriage to hold it together. He takes our willingness and strengthens it with his love to bring us through our darkest storms as we join, uh, journey together in covenant marriage. God cares for the smallest details of our lives. He is intimately involved, whether we realize it or not. He is the conductor of our lives. He is the one who has placed us where we are today. We're not here by mistake. He's the one that placed us here. We're not in this congregation by mistake. He put us here for his divine purposes, not just in our lives, but for the lives of every individual in this congregation. This is the best place for us. And he knows that. I would like to look at three biblical accounts of Jesus' demonstration of his care for our daily needs and sometimes our desires. And I'd like to let you know up front, I know that in many of these, uh, in these three instances and the ones I'm going to talk about moving forward, that there are more theological, there is more theological meaning behind what I'm going to talk about, but I'm only going to highlight the things that God has led me to speak about today. And the first one is found in John chapter 2. And it's the, when he turned water to wine. And on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone jar water, water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washings, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus instructed them to fill the jugs. He told them to draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did exactly as Jesus uh, requested of them. There are several things here that we can see in this picture. And again, I'm not touching the theological uh, meat of this thing today, but the thing is, is there was a physical need that day for that banquet party. They ran out of wine. And Jesus met the need. And that may seem trivial 
to any one of us here, well, why would Jesus care about providing uh, wine for a party? And uh, I, I can imagine that there were a lot of people who were over-intoxicated that day. But Jesus cared, and he provided the need. But we're going to find in our lives, and even in the scriptures as we look at some of these topics that we're about to talk about too, that there are uh, parts of this. God is providing the need, but there is something else that is important. It takes us to trust him and depend on him. Jesus' mother said to the servants, do what Jesus asks you to do. So the servants, Jesus gave them instructions and the servants did it. Jesus performed the miracle. Jesus performed the miracle. In the same way in our own lives, God will accomplish many things. And we'll come to him and we'll say, hey Lord, will you help me find a job, for instance? Okay, I'll be glad to help you find a job, but what I need you to do is make sure that you fill out your resume, make sure that it looks polished, make sure that uh, when you go apply for these jobs that you're uh, well-dressed and you're going out and presenting yourself in a good way. And I also want you to step out in faith and trust that I'm going to find this job for you. I'm going to lead you to that job. You see, I can't just sit down on the couch and wait for God to bring me a job, can I? I can't sit here and hope that it's going to work out. I have to trust that he's going to work that out. Or maybe there's something that you want to accomplish. Maybe you want to write a book. I mean, even something like that where there, there's a lot of work that's going to be needed from you. God will help you accomplish the things that you want to accomplish, but you have to trust him. You have to depend on him, and you have to step out on faith that he'll help you achieve the things that you want to do. And if they're in alignment with God's will and God's purpose, he will guide you. He will strengthen you. If they are not in his will, he's going to put up a roadblock. He's going to say no. And the more we resist, the harder it will become for us to accomplish those things because he's trying to tell you, look, I don't want you to accomplish that. That's not in my will and purpose for you right now. He intimately cares for us. And a second scripture verse that I would like to look at is where Jesus is healing a sick person. Let's go to Matthew chapter 9. And starting in verse 27. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, will it be done to you? And their sight was restored, and Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. Again, Jesus provided sight for two blind men. It was a miracle that they were not able to see one moment and the next moment that they were able to see. And Jesus did perform that miracle. But again, what did Jesus ask from them in exchange? He asked for their belief, didn't he? 
They had to step out in faith and trust that God had the ability to heal them and would heal them. And they had the faith and Jesus healed them. And I don't know how many people were on the earth back then. Maybe there were a few million people on the earth back then. And Jesus cared about two individuals enough to take time out of his day to heal them. God cares about each one of us intimately. He is our provider. We may not realize how much provision God gives to us, but he is our provider. And then we can go to Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 13. And the scene here is Jesus was preaching and he's sharing the truths of God with a a large group of people, more than 5,000. And it was time in the disciples' mind for them to leave so they could go get something to eat. And Jesus said, no, don't send them away. Why would you send them away? Just feed them. And the disciples were like, "Um, but Lord, how can we feed them? We only have five loaves of bread and we have two fish. How is that possible? I could see this conversation. I know that the Bible only tells you a couple sentences here. But I could see this conversation going back and forth with the disciples and Jesus. And Jesus saying, well, you know what? You say there's five loaves and, and two fish. Go get that and bring it to me. Again, they had to step out in faith. Go get that bread and go get those fish and bring them to Jesus. Jesus prayed to the Father, Father provide, and then passed it out to everybody there. Fed more than 5,000 people, 5,000 men plus women and children. More than 5,000 people were fed. And then when they picked everything up, they had 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. All because they trusted God and depended on Him and leaned on His provision for them. They were fed and taken care of. Does God care about you and your daily needs, your daily desires? I think He does. And though He provides our physical needs, He doesn't want us to focus on them. He wants us to focus on Him. Focus our lives on Jesus Christ. He is seeking us to trust and depend on Him. Matthew 6.33 tells us, But seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things shall be added to you. And if you look at that story and you look at the background before that verse... Jesus was telling them, do not worry about what tomorrow brings. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. God will provide you for you. He cares about the lilies of the field. He knows when a bird falls from the sky. How much more precious are we to him than that bird or the lilies of the field? He will take care of us. He will provide for us. He will meet our daily needs.
But because we sin, there are times in our life that we will need restoration. And this is point number two, restoration. Let's face it, there isn't any one person in this room without sin. We all have fallen short of his glory, but there is no need to fear when we face the reality of our sinful behavior and that we will need acceptance and restoration. And I'd like to take a couple of, look at a couple of scriptural examples. And I'm not going to personally go to those, but if you would like to, you can. The first one is the woman that was caught in adultery in John chapter 8, starting in verse 1, going through verse 11. This woman was brought to Jesus, not so she could be restored. She was brought to Jesus for a purpose, and that purpose was for the Pharisees to catch Jesus up in his own words. They were trying to get him to fall short so they could expose him. That was the purpose. But see, Jesus knows that there was restoration that was needed in two separate groups of people when that woman was brought before them. First, it was all the men who brought her, who were accusing her. What did Jesus say to them? He who is without sin, you cast the first stone. And what happened? But one by one, they each walked away, none of them casting a stone. And then Jesus tells this woman, something beautiful and something wonderful and it's something that he tells each one of us when we realize we have sinned and we fall at his feet knowing that we need his mercy and grace he said go and sin no more wow that's the god we serve how many of us do that with our own children or do we condemn them? I know what a struggle it is. I have a daughter who is a drug addict. I know how hard it is to uh, want to help them and know that sometimes the best help you can give them is no help, but also to be there in love and to be there with compassion and to be there with God's grace and asking God to lead you. Because you know what? Sometimes we don't know if we're making even the right choices as parents, do we? We have to be able to lean on God and trust that He's going to guide us in making the right decisions even with our own families. But God loves my daughter who is a drug addict. And I believe that if she fell, fell at his feet, he would tell her, go and sin no more. He wouldn't be there in judgment. He wouldn't be condemning her. He would be telling her, go, sin no more. He wants each one of us to depend on him. He is our provider. Another scripture verse that I want to look at here is Matthew 26, starting in verse 69, going through 75. Remember the Last Supper? Jesus told Peter, Peter, you will deny me three times. And Peter says, certainly I would never do that, Lord. I would die with you before I ever denied you. And what happened? 
go down to verse 69, you see uh, Peter is standing around the fire with a group of people, and the people are crying out, Hey, weren't you with Jesus? No, I wasn't with him. I'm sure that I saw you with Jesus. No, it wasn't me. I don't even know that man. And then he denied him a third time. And then the rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered what Jesus said. But then you've got to go to the book of John later on at the end of the book when, he, when Jesus is standing there with Peter. Peter, do you love me? You know I do, God. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? You know I do, God. And then the third time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. That's what God wants us to do. If we love him, we should be feeding his sheep. That's our job as a Christian. And when we fall short, we know that God will restore us. He restored the woman at the well. He restored Peter. He will restore you in your sin. He will remove that from you. See, we have the same power that was in Jesus Christ during his sojourn on this earth through the Holy Spirit who dwells in each one of us. So if you think you can't accomplish many great things in service to God, you're wrong. The same power that lived in Him lives in you. And it lives in me. So we should never get discouraged. We should never lose hope. We should always know that we can depend on Him. Which brings me to the third point, is He will meet our spiritual needs. Whether we accept it or not, whether we believe it or not, whether we ascribe to it or not, we are all dependent on God. There is not one person who has ever existed, not one person who ever will exist, who does not depend on God. You say, yes, Dave, well, I don't believe that. Can you demonstrate that for me? I can. As I share this next point with you, consider your role and what I'm about to ask you to consider. Every spring, there are many farmers and homeowners who plant a garden. You plant. What does God do? He provides the seed. You water. What does God do? He provides the water. You cultivate. But what does God do? He provides the soil. God brings the harvest. You are the harvester out there picking the fruit from the vine. God is the author and provider of all life. He provides all we need to be sustained in both physical and in a spiritual sense. But it requires your participation. Amen. He doesn't do anything in any of our lives if we refuse to participate. God is not looking for couch potatoes as Christians. 
He's looking for those who are going to go out into the world and do his work. There are people outside these walls right now who need spiritual help. They get the spiritual help by the work of the workers that he's provided, which is this local body of Christ right here. He gave us Pentecost. Look what Peter accomplished at Pentecost. When the Spirit of God came upon him, what did Peter accomplish? Peter preached the Word of God as the Word of God was delivered for him. I do not believe Peter had a sermon prepared. God prepared the sermon for him as he was preaching. 3,000 people were added to the body of Christ that day because Peter trusted God, stood up, and did the work of God. Each one of us can do the same thing. We have the same power in us that Peter had in him that very day. We can preach the gospel to a lost and dying world, but it takes the power of God within us and a willingness on our part to speak out regardless of what somebody's going to say about us, regardless of how we're going to be persecuted or how we're going to be treated or how we're going to be judged. Each one of us in this room has a spiritual need, and we seek God for that spiritual need because we understand we have a spiritual need. What about the people outside of these walls who don't understand? We're the voice of God. Do we understand? We are the voice of God. If we don't speak, who's going to? God said that if we don't speak, he'll let the rocks cry out to glorify his name. And everything that's created already speaks loudly of who God is. But the only way anybody gets a special revelation of God is if we speak. And trust God will provide the words. And trust God will provide the need. Because sometimes it's not what we say, it's what we do. We see somebody's hungry, feed them. We see somebody needs a roof over their head, provide it. We're God's providers. God uses his church to provide for the needs of the world. And when you provide the need of somebody out in the world, they will be touched. They will see God in that. You will have the opportunity to share his love. Hearts will be changed. Look at the woman at the well. What did she do? Jesus went up for a drink of water. And the town got saved because she believed what Jesus had to say. He told her, I am the living water. If you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. There is not a person in this room right now who is a Christian who should be thirsting spiritually ever. Because God has provided a way for us. He has given us strength. He has given us purpose. He has given us direction. Make no mistake about it. It is our job to share the truth of the gospel to the world. And it's not, like I said, just with our words. It's in our daily actions, how we act, how we respond to the needs of others. Are we one of those who says, hey, um, you're hungry? Well, uh, go ahead on by your way. I hope best for you. I will be praying that God provides for you. Really? Really? I really hope that we wouldn't do that. Maybe God will let you hurt 
financially to meet the need of that individual. And in that process, he'll be teaching you something too. That there is something far greater, far more important than what you're going to eat today. It's time for the church to move. It's time for the church to get out of their chairs. It's time for the church to do God's work and trust His Spirit will move us. If you don't know how, you don't know God's Word because you've been complacent over the years, don't be. Get in it. Learn it. Study it. Trust Him. Trust Him. Obey Him and He will lead you.